Hey, it's great to see everybody else here as well. How are we doing on the back side over here? You guys, if you're doing well, give me an oh yeah. All right, how about over here? Oh yeah, are we doing well today? Oh, they had to think about it. Let's see. All right, you guys in the middle, how are we this morning? We doing well? All right, hey, this is the area to be in right here. This is the area if you, um, if you just need to uh, get your blood pumping as... Wesley mentioned the middle section. You guys get the you guys get the award today. It is great to see you. And um, as a teacher, I just want you to know that uh, there is always this desire that those who are a part of a class or a part of a setting like we have here each week, the, the desire is that anybody who's a part will actually remember something that took place the week before or the class before, right? I mean, those of you who are teachers, I mean, you don't just say things just to say them. You hope that, that something that you say is going to have some type of impact. And, and I hope that something from last Sunday is stuck in your head. All right? I really do. I want last... Now that's not really what I hope was going to be stuck in your head, okay? That, that's not really what it was. Really what it was. I, I, I really hope that, you know, you were here last week and we, we were talking about this new series, The Power of One, and I want it to be stuck right there in your head so you don't... All right, all at once. Menomina. There we go. All right, good. All right. No, not menomina. the silly menomina song. That's not what we're going for. What I really hope you've been thinking about all week is how that a little can go a long way with God and how that what you do matters, right? What you do matters. It's the power of one. It's one person. It's one ministry. It is one church doing what you can with what you have for the benefit of one more. What you do matters, guys. What this church does matters. And I know that it can be easy just to look around and, and, and we see the pain and we see the sorrow, the, the injustice, the loneliness that's present in our society and, and we say, all right, but what good can I do? What good can I actually do? Because there are so many people and there are so many starfish, if we want to use the imagery from, from last week, and we wonder just what what will I do that will actually matter? I want you to hear again this morning that it matters to each one that you feed. It matters to each one that you clothe. What you do matters to each one that you teach. Each one that you accept. Each one that, that you mentor. Each one that you forgive. Each one that you love. What you do matters. It's the power of one. And so this week, I hope you've been praying your wimpy prayer. I mean, whatever your wimpy prayer is, where you say, I know that there are others who can pray, pray better than I can, probably so, but I hope you've been praying your wimpy prayer, and I hope you've been using your meager skills. There are others who can, who can yes, do better, who can achieve more, but God is interested in what is in your basket. God is interested in what you bring to the table, and whatever it is, he wants you to use it for the benefit of his kingdom. Use it. Give it. Take whatever it is that's there in your basket and you take that to Jesus. Last week we learned how one person's dining room table with some cans of Vienna sausages and peanut butter crackers, how that one table became a ministry sharing food with over 4,000 food insecure children now each week. 
And guys, this past Wednesday, servants of this ministry from all over Chattanooga bagged up over 100,000 food items that will be shared over the next month with the children of Hamilton County. Can we give God praise for that? Can we just say, I mean, that is, that's not just people doing that, all right? That is a God thing for that. And I appreciate so much Miss Janice Robertson sharing with us last weekend about snack packs and about its growth and about its impact. And I'm grateful. I'm just so grateful with how so many of you responded to her request for support and for, and for volunteers. It's the power of one. You say, well, what can, what can I do? Well, you can do something. One ministry, one church, one God. Let's read this passage from Ephesians out loud together, if you would, with some, with some energy behind it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That is the power of one. God working through one person, one ministry, one church, and God receiving that glory. It's a great thing. It's awesome. And it's why today I want to introduce to you a couple of other ministry servants that we have here at EV and give them an opportunity to share how God is doing more than can be asked or imagined. Uh, but first, I, I, want to, I, I want to focus your attention, though, on something that is recorded in your Bibles in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, I encourage you to take out your Bible, whether you've got the, um, uh, the, the old tried and true version or it's an app on your phone, however it is you like to uh, to take in God's word, find Luke chapter 8, because Luke's gospel is a case study in the power of one. Through Luke's account, when you watch Jesus, you begin to see that one was the way of Jesus. When someone stood in front of Jesus, time just seemed to stop. Everything slowed down. Everything else in his life, all of his concerns, his agenda, his goals, they all began to blur and disappear. It's kind of like that portrait mode that many of us have on our phones. Uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Now, uh, my, my son likes to make fun of me because I love to take pictures in portrait mode, which, of course, means that you have to almost get the phone, like, you know, up the nose with a rubber hose to make sure that you get the picture just right. But, but what you're able to do, you, you take that phone and you, you center it on whatever the object of the photo is, and then the camera works its little voodoo magic, and all of a sudden everything in the background begins to blur. And, and automatically then your focus is on whatever is in the foreground. That is what you're focused on because, truthfully, that's what we want to show people. When you pull out your phone and you're showing pictures of your grandchildren, you're, you're talking about the latest vacation that you went on, you want to be able to show others and we want them to focus in on what you truly want them to see. It's not the periphery. The eyes focus on the object of the photo there in that particular mode and the background just fades away. See, that's how Jesus operated. And in Luke chapter 8, there is a great example, and I want us to look at it because it's not just how Jesus operated. I believe it's how he wants his church to operate as well. And, and not just as a whole, but, but each one of us individually. This is how Jesus wants us to do life. 
He's on his way to the home of a local Jewish synagogue leader because the man's only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So let's pick up the story at the end of verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When everybody denied it, Peter said, Master, the the people are crowding and pressing all against you. In today's vocabulary, it's like, it's like if you and Jesus were trying to get a seat at a Tennessee football game or a Taylor Swift concert. There are people everywhere. And of course, people are going to touch you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. Someone. And I know that power has gone out from me. Now here's what I want you to focus on. Then the woman, the woman who had reached out and touched the edge of his coat, then the woman, seeing that she could not go, say this with me, the word that's underlined, unnoticed. Seeing that she could not go unnoticed. I have to think that's the last thing that she wanted, was to be seen. She didn't want to make a scene. For 12 years, she had spent all that she had on potential cures, but nothing had worked. Her religious laws stated that her condition made her unclean. And that meant that in addition to dealing with a debilitating illness, she could not go into the temple to worship. If she was married and had children, she would not be able to touch them or touch anything that they might touch. She had likely been forced to leave them and her home She would have been ostracized by her community. Probably even had people telling her, you know, your sickness is probably God's punishment for your sinfulness. The fact that she had secretly inserted herself into this crowd, the the fact that she had joined with the throngs that were following Jesus on his way to what could be a potential miraculous healing, the fact that she was there potentially then touching others, bumping up into them, rubbing up against them there in the crowd, it would have angered anyone who had found out. And that she intentionally touched a rabbi. Well, what was she thinking? And if anyone had bothered to ask, I think she would have told them, I was thinking if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I was thinking I'd be healed. Friends, one touch was all that she wanted. One touch and then she was prepared to disappear back into the crowd. But Jesus wasn't going to make it that easy for her. His eyes focused on her. And then... Everything and everyone else began to fade into the background. But Jesus had somewhere he was going. Remember, there is a girl who is dying, and and Jesus has been asked, has been begged by her father, please come. And there he was. He was on his way. He was making his way because someone needed him, but now someone else needs him, and he stops in his tracks. 
And he focuses in. And everything else fades away. And the woman realizes that she cannot escape Jesus' attention. So she came trembling and she fell at his feet. And then all the pain and all the indignity of the last 12 years just came tumbling out of her. As in the presence of all the people, she told everyone why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And guys, I have to think, this was an amazing testimony. I mean, this had to be a a moment. It's not recorded how it went and what happened. It is lost and only known in in the mind of God. But I'm sure it was an incredible moment. And in a time when men did not talk to women that they did not know, and husbands would oftentimes not even speak to their wives in public, Jesus spoke to this woman words of affirmation. He called her daughter. Now that might not sound very affirming, but, but I don't know. After all, she was his father's child. In our southern vernacular, we might say, sweetheart or dear. He's making it personal for her. And he's making it personal for the crowd that is watching. Daughter, sweetheart, dear one, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. Peace is probably something that woman had not known in years. Peace of mind, body, and soul, all because of the power of one touch. Now we read this story, and we have to then ask, all right, but, but what's so important for us with this? And, and, and there's a lot of different things I think we can pull out of here, but, but here's just something I just want you to think about. This week, you and I are going to be surrounded by crowds of people. They're going to be at the grocery store. They're going to be at the bank. They're going to be in the classroom. Even today, you're a part of a crowd right right here. And a moment is going to come when someone will say something or someone will do something that gets your attention. It might not get anyone else's attention in the room. Nobody else might see it, but you see it, and then you have a choice. Do you continue in the conversation that you are currently in? Do you keep going to your next meeting? Do you just bury your eyes in your cell phone? Do you stay focused on your agenda and on your plans? Or or do you do something else? And do you imitate Jesus and make sure that no one goes unnoticed? You see, that's what jumps out to me as I read through this text. The fact that even though the woman, she she would have rather hid. She would have rather not had anybody know what was going on. Jesus was unwilling to allow her to go unnoticed because of her value. And because he knew that she needed to hear, go in peace. You know, in our society, there is perhaps nothing that strips a person of their dignity and worth quicker than addiction and incarceration. One's bad enough, but when you partner the two, the result is often a loss of family, wealth, community, 
and even identity. We have a couple of ministries here at East Brainerd that at their foundation are all about noticing and affirming and offering healing to the man or the woman that is easily overlooked. And so this morning, I just want to invite a couple of our ministry servants to the stage, George McCleskey and Angie Jarabati. And, and I want them to, to come, and, and we're just going to have a conversation together about our transformation ministry and our new beginnings house. Now, you might have heard at times where we have made an announcement about these two things, where we have said, hey, don't forget that our transformation ministry has a class on, on Wednesday night or, or how we're taking up supplies. There you go, Mr. George. Angie, there you are. We're taking up supplies for our, our new beginnings house. And, and maybe you have seen something written in our, in our bulletin. You've seen some type of announcement on the screen. And, 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 and you've wondered exactly, well, what is this? Or, or maybe you've heard a little bit about it. But I guarantee you this morning, after you hear some of the things that these two will be sharing, you will praise God. You will praise God more for the fact that, that you're a part of a church body that is doing at least a small amount of trying to make sure that individuals do not go unnoticed. So I'm, I'm going to sit here. I didn't plan on being in, 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 the, in between you guys. Um, we're going to have dueling dueling conversations here, but that's going to work, um, that's going to work fine. Um, George, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to start here, um, I'll start with you for a minute. If you would just share with everybody a little bit of just a brief history of these two ministries for us, please. I gave you the microphone, but I didn't turn it on. I'm sorry. That was not a very nice thing. How about for you? There you go. Transformation Project is a result of a group of Hamilton County officials, judges, a sheriff, and a district attorney, recognizing that our judicial system and our prison system was not doing a very effective job of rehabilitating incarcerated people. They met weekly for one year and prayed over the matter. That was the beginning of Transformation Project, which started in 2004. Transformation Project is a faith-based, non-residential recovery program for individuals with life-controlling issues, such as substance abuse, anger, pornography, shopping, the list goes on. A qualified inmate can engage in the Transformation Project group study while they're in prison, subsequently petition to their judge to be released to transformation, and can then be assigned to a site. A graduate of Transformation Project will attend weekly small group Bible studies, which consists of an introduction, a self-awareness section, a spiritual awareness session, and practical application. They will have interactions in a community sessions. Our sessions here at East Brainerd, our small group Bible study occurs on Monday evening and our community sessions on Wednesday evenings. They will be assigned a life coach, someone who has been trained in transformation project. 
they will undergo periodic drug screening. They're expected to attend church and be active, and they're expected to maintain steady employment. There can also be walk-ons for Transformation Project for those who recognize the need to address their life-controlling issue and to have some accountability. The ministry currently has nine sites in Tennessee, so it has expanded outside of Hamilton County. And the ministry ministers in three jails, Silverdale, Catoosa County Jail, and Sequatchie Valley. The East Brainerd campus here became a transformation project site in 2016, spearheaded by a group of women who were doing transformations project and Bible studies in the Silverdale. At the East Brainerd campus, we have touched over 75 people. There have been nine graduates and eight baptisms have resulted from the East Brainerd campus. Now let me tell you a little bit about New Beginnings House. That same group of women who were doing transformation project studies in Silverdale had a vision. They recognized that many of the women that they were studying with and touching were repeat offenders. And they were struggling with life-controlling issues because they often returned to the same environment which led to their initial incarceration. These people, these ladies, needed a new environment to live in. An environment where they could learn to walk with God, be led by the Spirit, and be encouraged by other believers. The New Beginnings House, which is located on Jenkins Road, began in 2019, utilizing a church-owned house for this particular ministry. All New Beginning residents are also members and participants of Transformation Project. To date, we have had 14 residents in the New Beginnings House, and we have four graduates. A safe, secure, living environment where women can commit to change is very vital. So within the Transformation Project, you have this opportunity to touch individuals who have been incarcerated, individuals who are struggling with different types of addiction. And, and, and these are individuals that are oftentimes on parole, right? They're, they're, at, they're on parole. Uh, it's often court mandated. They come, they get the mentor, and we have members of our church body who are, who are mentors here for uh, individuals who have been in the Transformation Project. And this mentorship is something that is uh, daily. It's not something that just happens on the Monday Bible studies or then the, the Wednesday community times. This is a daily mentorship that goes on, hoping to be able to walk side by side with the individuals that are going through Transformation Project. And George, as you mentioned, the New Beginnings House then, it's this separate entity where uh, that need was recognized for, for the women to be able to have a place to, to come after they were released, but to be able to get back on their feet and then to have not only a house to be a part of, a home to have, but then to be able to be a part of Transformation Project with its mentorship, with its Bible studies and teaching. It has been a, a great tool to be able to partner to together with that. And I know that you've been a part of both of these from the very beginning, and I'm thankful for that and thankful so much for, for your um, 
just, just for your heart uh, with, with the ministry, but also for all the people who are um, involved. And, and one of the individuals that's involved is Miss Angie. And uh, Miss Angie, if you would just tell everybody right now, what is your role at New Beginnings right now? Um, good morning. Um, my role at the New Beginnings House is basically to encourage and love on these women and to lead by example. Um, because I've been in their shoes, I can understand what it's like or understand or see things that maybe other people cannot see. Um, I'm a live-in senior resident. I encourage church attendance, Bible study, meetings, chores, and just following the rules. I make sure the house is stocked, maintained, and runs smoothly. And I'm a communication tool for the, the volunteer committee. And I know that, that you have what is truly a God story. And I, I want you to be able to, to, share, to share that here for, for everybody. But for, first, George, if, if you would just kind of tell everybody what is the, kind of what is the goal of these ministries? What, what is it that we're trying to accomplish here? Well, basically, we're trying to meet people where they are in their lives. And some have very, very difficult lives and have been through a lot and have a lot of issues that they need to deal with. Meet them where they are. Help them along the way. And at the end of the day, we want to take them through a self-examination process that is focused on the Word of God and help them to uh, become more spiritually aware and help to develop their growth. Bottom line, our intent is for the participants and the residents to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, with that foundation, Angie, if you wouldn't mind, just give everybody a brief kind of peek behind the curtain, so to speak, at how you came to us at East Brainerd. Okay. Um, well, I struggle with addiction. Um, my addiction led me into a criminal lifestyle, which led me into in and out of incarceration. And in 2014, um, I was in Silverdale waiting to be sentenced for a federal uh, indictment. And four women from the East Brainerd Church of Christ, um, they would come in every week and they would bring the Word of God. And it was definitely a place where there was not a lot of God and it was something that was very much needed. And I went every week and I listened to them and I remember um, Linda Dyser asked for my information. She said she wanted to write me. You have to understand at this point in your life when you've done all the things you've done, you know, your family is gone, um, everybody's turned their back. So I really didn't believe she would write me, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, when I got sentenced and went to, uh, I was sentenced to Tallahassee, um, the only mail for a long time was from Linda and uh, Kay Penley. Um, Kay Penley did a Bible study with me and uh, they were probably my uh, first examples of how to be a Christian and how to look after each other. And through my incarceration, Linda wrote me the whole time and I got to witness through letters the dream of the New Beginnings House and then the birth of the New Beginnings House. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that that's where I was going. Um, and when I was released in 2021, 
Linda found me at the Salvation Army, and she would come every week, and I just want to share this with you because it's important. Um, she would pick me up and take me to Walmart. Now, for a person coming out of prison, it's $40 for you to get a ride to and back from Walmart. Luckily, I had money. I had worked, but not everybody has that opportunity. And I remember asking Linda, why do you do this? Like, I couldn't understand why she would go out of her way to help me. And she said, this is just what I do. <laughs> and um, I moved into the New Beginnings house from the Salvation Army in February of 2022. And I graduated in April this past year. And I now get to give back to other women who have maybe walked down the same road that I have. And... Um, it's just a great opportunity, and I'm thankful and grateful for it. What a story. Not only has Angie shared that story here, I know that uh, we have, uh, there's been a time in the past where you have videoed a, a kind of a more in-depth version of that, and that is available for individuals to, to see and to uh, to be able to share. She's been able to go into uh, the, uh, the prison system and be able to share uh, this message as well, trying to encourage others who feel unnoticed, who, who feel just um, lost, who are, who are wanting to hide because of everything. The, the woman that we looked at in Luke chapter 8 for 12 years had dealt with, had dealt with her illness. And I know that for for many years, you, you, you struggled with, and continue, with that addiction, and then for seven years, as you mentioned, you were incarcerated, uh, and it's a period of time where you wonder, it does, does anybody see me? Does anybody see and really understand? I'm thankful for, for Miss Linda, for, for Kay, and for the vision of, uh, of the ladies here who said, we want there to be a place so that people like Angie who, who are in need of that, individuals who are, who are truly in need of this fresh start, can be able to can be able to enjoy that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Linda, you mentioned um, also um, Kay, but I know George, there, there are others who are volunteers, not only here at East Brainerd, but in the community, but if you could just share about some of those who, who participate. From our East Brainerd family, we have in-jail facilitators, Bonnie Safley, Julia Horn, Kate Penley Brock, and Anita Kapperman. We have campus facilitators, which includes my wife, Mary McCleskey, Pat Walker, Rochelle Williams, and all the other in-jail facilitators. Life coaches, again, repeating, Bonnie Safley, Mary McCleskey, Pat Walker, Julia Horne, Kay Penley, Anita Kappelman. And we have some who have been recently trained but have not been assigned a person. Then we have the community sessions, sharers and speakers, which lead in devotions and spiritual lessons and testimonies. And at this point in time, we have a group of about 15 that I've tapped into the resource for. And for the community, we are supported by the Transformation Project president, who I'm happy to say is here today. Uh, we have Beth Delaney, who is a facilitator and a coach here for the East Brainerd campus, but she's a member at the Brainerd Baptist Church. We have sharers and speakers who come from other churches and from other organizations. 
And we also tap into some inspirational speakers like Andy Stanley and Tony Evans. And from the New Beginnings House, uh, Linda Dizer was a key person in the establishment of that house and running the house. But as Linda left us earlier this year, Julia Horn has taken over that lead and she works with what I call the group of eight. And they summon periodically. And that group consists of Pat Walker, Vicki Abbott, Estelle Bloom, Jackie Galt, Sherry Richardson, Anita Kapperman, and Bonnie Safley. The New Beginnings House also has an oversight board, which consists of Ann Boyd, Bill Walker, myself, and Julia Horn at this point. And then there are men who help with the house maintenance and who are key for us, like John Klein and Tom Van Hughes. And of course, our bigger heifer most recently has been Angie Garibaldi as a senior resident. And from the community, Karen Taylor, who was once in the New Beginnings House and came through the transformation program, she went to work for CADIS, which is a residential recovery program. And she is now a house manager at Launchpad, which is another agency and organization with we partner with, and they make referrals for us. Uh, we also coordinate with the Tennessee Department of Corrections Transition Coordinator, who recommends candidates for us for New Beginnings House, the Silverdale Detention Center Exit Coordinator and Chaplain, who also recommends candidates for us. We are connected to Greater Chattanooga Christian Services for counseling. And we also are connected to Project Return, which is an organization who might help the residents with clothing, transportation, resume writing, and seeking employment. So there are a lot of people who help make this work. It's not just these two, it's not just two or three, but it's individuals who are, who are here. And I'm glad to hear, I didn't see Stan earlier. I'm glad that Stan is, uh, is with us. I uh, appreciate all the many years that he has put into Transformation Project and the love that he has for the people who, who work there and who also are um, who participants who come through the program. But it, it takes a village. And maybe you are looking and saying, you know what? Um, hey, I, I've, got, I've got some time. I've recently retired. Or, you know what, I'm an empty nester now. The kids are gone. I'm not having to, to go back and forth and, and be a mom taxi, you know, or anything like that. I, I would love to be able maybe to, to volunteer when it comes to helping Angie at the New Beginnings House or, or even being able to come to these different meetings that Transformation Project has and, and serve as a mentor. And I know that I'd ask if you wouldn't mind just to share a little bit of ways that people can, can volunteer. Well, it's interesting because I think that all of the volunteers are actually grow spiritually and they develop as we, we mentor and as we participate in these particular ministries. One can become a trained Transformation Project facilitator or a life coach. You can be a community sharer. If you've had an experience in overcoming a life-controlling issue, or you've been a concerned person for someone who has overcome a life issue, or just sharing a message of encouragement. We are shortage. We have a shortage currently of men, or trained men who participate in Transformation Project. Right now, I'm the only one, unfortunately. 
We also need some younger volunteers because most of our volunteers and our champions are retirees or senior citizens. If you want to be engaged in New Beginnings House, I would ask you to ask Julia Horn about it. But they're always looking for transportation for new residents, taking them to and from maybe medical appointments, maybe to and from job interviews and seeking employment. You could donate financially to Transformation Project to support the growth uh, opportunities that we have and as we expand from Hamilton County to other counties. As I mentioned before, there are nine sites currently and there are sites in McMinn County, Ray County, Sequatchie Valley as well. You can donate to a special project at New Beginnings House right now. There's a project that's being developed relative to converting an existing laundry closet to a powder room because the house only has one restroom in it. And if you're interested in sharing the Transformation Project and New Beginning House story with your family, fellow work colleagues, or your friends who might have an interest in it, I'm more than ready to share that story and to help you share it. And I think going on with that is the, also the idea, maybe you're listening here this morning and you say, you know what, um, I, I don't think I could be a mentor, I, I don't think I could be a volunteer because I need to be a participant. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm dealing with some addictive issues. I'm having all these different struggles. Maybe you try to keep it quiet. Maybe it's something that, that you hope that nobody would notice. You've just kind of been amongst the crowd. Uh, please have a conversation with George. Have a conversation with Angie about ways that you can uh, participate and the ways that you can have a group come around you and uh, be present in your life as you deal with the struggle that you're currently dealing with. Don't hide, okay? Don't try to go un unnoticed. And, and with that, Angie, I would just love for you here to share with everyone just, you know, what do you think our church family needs to understand when it comes to thinking about the, the ladies who are at the house, individuals who are participating in the Transformation Project? What, what's important for us just to know? Um, I feel like it's important to understand this is a very um, stressful, emotional, and it's a fragile time in their journey. Um, it requires a lot of love and understanding from us. Um, this is a time of healing, physically, spiritually, emotionally. It's like we're re-educating ourselves on how to behave and think in a world without drugs and alcohol. Uh, Chris's lesson on the power of one speaks volumes during this time. Each individual in here just needs to step forward if it's an encouraging word. It's a little intimidating walking into this congregation. I just want you guys to know that. So, you know, when you see somebody, an encouraging word or even providing a need, you know, these people, we're, we're starting over. These women are starting over. Um, I'm 51 years old and starting from scratch, and it's a scary place to be, but I have comfort because I have such a big support system here. Um, so a sense of belonging, a sense of belonging, and just unconditional love and acceptance. You know, we said earlier how that in order to imitate Jesus, we need to make sure that no one goes unnoticed. We, we do not get up and broadcast and say, hey, look, we have, we have new people in the New Beginnings House, and here these individuals are. We, we, we do not 
point out individuals like, like that. But we do expect that for each of us, that as we are, are meeting individuals, that, that, that we are looking for, for someone that we do not know and, and going and asking, and asking their name. And, and it could be that, that you have met someone who, who lives in our New Beginnings house, but maybe you didn't realize that, right? You, didn't, you did not know that. And we just encourage you to keep on building those relationships because the, the next person that walks in these doors, the, the next person that comes to your Bible class, the, the, the next person that when you're at our meal and a message and, and you're sitting down at that table, the next person that you're, you're talking to potentially is someone who's a part of our transformation project, someone who lives in our new beginnings house. And that they are looking for someone else who will, who will learn their name and who will take an interest and, and just as Angie said, maybe even offer a ride to Walmart because of uh, just the cost that's involved with, with that. You never know who the next one is going to be or the power that you have in that person's life. That there's someone listening here this morning that is hearing Angie's story maybe for the first time and, and that story is going to lead to another conversation that's going to lead to another conversation. And because God can do more than we could ever ask or imagine, lives are going to continue to be changed. And so, again, I'm just thankful for our transformation project, the ministry that, that is here, our New Beginnings House, for all of those who have helped make it possible. And, of course, then for the efforts that that our servant ministers have here with, with George and Angie and the way that they continue to work. They need people to come alongside them, folks. They need people to come alongside of them and help make sure that others do not go unnoticed. And so when we conclude here everything uh, this morning, I'm going to ask for George and Angie, if you two wouldn't mind, just to be in our lobby out in the back. And, and if you'd like to talk with them more about this, I know that they would love to be able to share a conversation. But I appreciate the time that both of you have given to us. And thank you, thank you so much for being part of our East Brainerd Church family. Will you thank them for me, please? As we, uh, as we wrap things up here uh, this morning, I, I want us to I want us to go back uh, to our story just, just for a minute, the story there in Luke chapter 8. And I want you to remember how we, we focused in on the woman who says that she realized that she could not go unnoticed. Luke does not tell us why she came to that conclusion. Luke just explains that the woman looks around and she realizes, okay, I'm not going to be able to escape. I'm not going to be able to hide. Luke doesn't tell us why it was that she felt that way but here's the cool thing. When you, read through, when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have four different writers who present the story of Jesus from four different viewpoints. And oftentimes, one or more of them will share the same story, but share it through a different lens and from a different perspective. And I'm thankful that Mark gives us just a little bit of information that Luke decided not to tell. Listen to Mark's retelling. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, the disciples answered, and yet you asked, Who touched me? But here it is, guys. Here, here's the important thing. It says, But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus kept looking. 
He had some place to be. He had some place he was going. His agenda was full. There was an important meeting that he had. There was a family. There was a girl who was dying that was waiting on him. But Jesus stopped and he says, I am not going to let this woman go unnoticed because someone has touched me. Someone has needed me. And so he kept looking around to see who had done it. And so Luke says, the woman realized, I can't get away from Jesus. Friends, Jesus went looking for her. Jesus would not let her hide in the crowd. There was an intentionality about Jesus that, that I think his 21st century disciples, that, that, that you and I, we miss out on. We, we don't see it. You see, we plan an event or a gathering, and then we hope and we pray that a crowd will show up. And, and we did that this morning. But Jesus walked among the crowds and he intentionally looked for the person who needed his healing. And so, friends, the calling of the church is not to attract crowds, but to see individuals. See, the most important thing that we do here is not this message. It's not the songs. It's not even the communion that we share with one another. The most important thing that we do here this morning is see each other. See each other. It's the power of one. Where we intentionally look each day for the hurting and for the lonely and for the searching man or woman who just is fading into the background. Where we're then you and I put everything on, on portrait mode and we allowed the periphery just to be able to, to fade away. And then we see the one. And we go and remind them of what just a little bit of faith can do. And we share with them and speak peace to another son or daughter of the Father. That is your mission. To continue what Jesus demonstrated and allow the power of one to change the world. Will you join me in prayer? Father, what a story we have heard today. Multiple stories, in fact. Stories of, of how just taking the time to make sure that someone who is in need of Jesus does not go unnoticed the impact that it can have. And we look there and we see the story that is recorded of Jesus and, and how that he refused to allow someone just to fade into the background because he knew that she needed to hear from him. She needed to hear from him that, that her faith had made a difference and that God's peace was in her life. And I think there are so many that need to hear that same message today, Lord who need to be reminded that even a little bit of faith goes a long way for you. Who need to be reminded that there is peace in your presence. That there can be peace of mind, there can be peace of body, there can be peace of soul. And so we heard from Angie and we heard from George just about a couple of ministries that we have where, where there are individuals who are here at our congregation and individuals who are here in this community who have given of their time, who have given of their finances, who have arranged their lives in a way that they might be able to notice those who are in the background. 
And so, Father, I just ask that your blessings continue to flow. That your blessings continue to flow on, on all of those who are being noticed and who are being mentored and who are, are being taught, who, who are being prayed over. Father, who, all those who are being carried to Walmart and who are, who are going and starting life over and finding a new job and all those individuals who are, who are struggling to put the demons of addiction by, behind them, that your blessings would just continue to pour out on them. And Father, that you would use more and more of us to be your instruments to be the power of one in the life of someone else who, who perhaps has been reaching out and who, who has known nothing but pain for the last maybe 12 years or longer. But that you would use this place, you would use these people to touch their lives and to help bring healing. Father, we thank you for for not allowing us to go unnoticed in your presence that you saw our need and that you met it through Jesus Christ and it is, it is because of him that we have assembled here today. To be encouraged, to be reminded, and Father, to be, to be made even more aware of the importance of seeing one another. May we do that now, not only here in this place, but wherever it is that you send us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, maybe something that has been shared this morning has touched you. And maybe you'd like to talk more about this. We want you to know that one of our shepherds, one of our pastors, will be in our lobby in our prayer room that's located just beyond those doors. Maybe just like some time, again, a reflection of, of prayer to be able to, to ask questions about anything that you've heard, to talk to someone about what Jesus can do in your life. Maybe you just need to come before this body. Maybe it's like, you know what? I have gone unnoticed long enough. I want people to see me. And maybe you need to come this morning and you say, you know what? I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Maybe it is with addiction. And, and it's time that you, you admit that. And it's time that you just say, I've got to give this to the Lord. Or, or, or maybe it's the fact that that you have been a part of the crowd and, and you haven't noticed the ones that are all around you that are in need of help and you're just trying to get from here to the next place and maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I need to apologize in front of all these people because I've failed to see the one. Or maybe like Angie, maybe you're all the one that someone has reached out to. Maybe you're the one that someone has touched and you... you you're the one that someone has written to. You're the one that has been invited and you want to come this morning and say, more than anything, I want to be one with Jesus Christ and I want to surrender myself to him in baptism because I believe that a little faith can go a long way with God. Whatever your need is, allow the power of one to touch you today as together we stand and give God praise.